Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is It Follows, directed by David Robert Mitchell, starring Micah Monroe and Keir Gilchrist. I'm Cameron Tuttle. Joined with me is Isaac Ransom in person. All right, all right. With handheld mics. I, I would have thought we were online. I mean, there was like some lag there, Cameron. Well, you know, I, I don't have or... my I don't have my script up. Okay, <laughs> I'm just going by yeah, memory. I usually read a script, right? That's that why that's why the show is so tight and, and <laughs> well contained. I don't edit anything usually. Well, so. for the intro, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I just fill in the names. You know, that's why I know it. I know it by heart. I can do it every time. Yeah, it's an unprecedented recording. You know, usually we sit at the leisure of our own schedule. We get in front of the computer, normal time. But I'm, like I said last episode, we're I'm, I'm going to be traveling next weekend, going into Monday a little bit. So it's good. I mean, we we're actually hanging out on a Wednesday evening. Yeah, this is this is interesting. It's midweek. Yep. Um, you caught me in the middle of my work frustration. Which yeah, is funny. We have handheld mics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we just watched the movie literally like five seconds ago. We, I know we're gonna have to buffer <laughs> with some small talk here because I'm I'm still processing mm, what yeah. we just witnessed. Uh, yeah. But I do I do think I have a stinger for what I want to say about about this film, um, and we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, midweek, I had this super frustrating moment today. <laughs> I called you right after uh, middle of the week. My boss will not talk to me until after five. I mean, come on. Yeah, I didn't know. It's, it's, it's like it's like I'm I'm not valuable enough to be during work hours. <laughs> I, that's how it, I mean. He's in sales, so it's like work hours are sales time, and right, everything right, after right. or before is when he wants to talk to me. So seven a.m. when I'm like sometimes still in bed, I'll still I'll admit <laughs> it. You know? Or uh, seven a.m. That's a fine five. time to be in bed. That's you know? what I think. Yeah. But these guys wake up at like five a.m. Do a line of coke. I don't know what's no going way. on. You no know, way. like not for me. Salespeople, man. Six forty-five in an espresso. I mean, that's like pushing it. You know, there's it's just pushing. something. I mean, being in Mar. All right, I'm sorry if you work <laughs> in sales. I just need to go on this tangent for a second. There's something so elitist about being in marketing. You know, uh, it's it's like there's like a snooty side because. It's a power trip. You know, you get people to buy without ever cold calling them. And mm. I'll always have that over right. salespeople. Yeah, that's you know, true. They, they all day they call people trying to get someone to buy. I never called anyone. You know, the sales are up. What can I say? <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's the cockiest I can be. True. Know? And if you never listen to the show, I'm sorry. You probably hate me. <laughs> I just, it's Wednesday, all right? Give me a break. I can't, I can't deal with this, you know. If you had a boss that called you at 7 a.m. or post five how would you feel you know? no i mean it's i i have a totally different working experience <laughs> than you do so the the things that i do probably are unacceptable in like a normal working yeah it's just environment people do i mean 6 a.m you know emails there's just there's tons of stuff that is like totally so sunday 
Sunday evening, you know, nah, you I get an email. It's I like, won't. it's like, it's like you get, terrible. you either get rolled or you roll, you know? So there's a part of me and I'm talking about steam rolled. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, it's like, <laughs> for me, I, I, I'm like, you know, I'm either going to be like, you know, you can't push me around or you get pushed around. You know, and I, so if I they get call, what I, yeah, I get what they, you mean. If they call me post five, I'll be like, why are you calling me? You know, <laughs> that's what I say. Why are you calling me? You know, I, no, I, to, I totally, I agree with you, but, um, my job experience, my <laughs> job is just different. It's just a different, you know, what, you know, what I, makes it worse about that perspective is now every time they call me at five, they say, well, it's nine one one red emergency, <laughs> like all hands on deck. <laughs> and you're like, really? Is it? And it never is. Yeah. It never. It's just, okay, so you just wanted an excuse to call me, you know, at that point. True. You could just say you like me. (laughs) That would have been fine. That would have been better than what I just got, right? (laughs) So, yeah, Cameron, you know, walked into me, you know, having a full mental, hangry, let's get this over with sort of thing. Usually Monday night, I'm I'm either, I'm pretty mellow. You're chill. Yeah, you're chill. Today, I was not chill. Clearly, I'm not chill. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, it's funny too because we literally we recorded an episode on Monday that went out on Tuesday. Yep. And now we're recording an episode again on Wednesday. So it's, it's like, like dang. it's a it's a heavy is week. This a, for is us. this a full time job? I mean, what's happening here? I know we're putting pay, in hours, right? and we recorded a commentary check. Okay, so Boom. I don't want to hear it anymore about Boom. your. Uh, Cameron's not being a good producer, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I usually do edit the show at 11, so that's why. When I say edit, that means no edits. Yeah. That's what happens, right? At least this episode will have some space for me to probably look at it Thursday, Friday. I doubt it. It's going up at Monday night at, at 11. It's no, like, I might I might look at it on the plane or something on Saturday. <laughs> you never know. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Right? Well, le- next week, I guess not next week. The week after, you're going to have to let us know uh, what movies you watched on the plane. Because that's always my favorite thing, you know, watching movies I on the plane. Think, I mean, I'm, so I'm going to Phoenix. I've never been to Phoenix. Oh, that's like an hour. Yeah. Plane. So, I mean, so what, that, what, never what can I do? You know, that's, that's nothing. Um, but I feel like I'll have time Sunday... Or Monday, maybe not Monday. I don't know. I'm taking a flight out of Phoenix at 11 p.m. So yeah. I don't think I'm getting home till one. That's or tough. On yeah. Monday? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. So it's. Uh, no wonder you couldn't record the show at eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I could have done it from the airport. I, I was kind of thinking it. about yeah, it. You know, AirPods in, using Riverside on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. It would not have went over well. I was gonna say, how's your week, Cameron? We talked two days ago. So. I know my week has literally been uh, non-existent. What do you want I, your week to be? Tell me that. <laughs> it's weird. Okay, so my job. Uh, I you have like a normal nine to five. I have a yes, very, very weird, normal. It's um, very normal. <laughs> By normal nine to five, that means like you work normal hours and then it's annoying for you to get called at at odd hours. Mm. Um, For me, I work like whenever I can. Yeah. And so this week has been really weird because I I had a job lined up on Monday that fell through. Then I had a job lined up on Tuesday that also fell through. So today is my Monday. So I went Mm. to, I had to drive to, San Francisco today. So I'm feeling 
you know, like I had an extended weekend. But weirdly, it's like when you're expecting to work, there's something like it doesn't feel like a weekend. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you normally have a two day or one day break? Is that a part of your normal schedule? No. um, Well, I guess it depends. It really depends on the week. Sometimes all like sometimes Fridays are slow. And then it'll shift to being like Mondays are slow. It really is unpredictable. So that's why I'm like I'm flexible. If someone calls me at seven, I'm there. You know, mm, it's fine. yeah. So can I ask you this? What time do you wake up normally? Normally, if I know that I'm no, just like normal. Bro, I have a totally like erratic <laughs> sleep schedule. Because I feel like now I'm to the point where I can't really sleep in to nine o'clock anymore yeah it's like 8 30 i'm beginning to wake but right, it's right. normal for me to be up at 7 30 right, that's kind of like my rhythm if i can do it i'll sleep till like 9 9 30 yeah 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 i wish yeah Man. those days are gone for me hmm. so well remember, speaking of people do you remember who- the the 10 a.m sleep in <laughs> oh, that was something. It's 10 a.m. I mean, you're a, you were a morning person back in high school. I would sleep what? till noon if Since I... Since when? I would sleep in till noon if I could. Oh, know. my gosh. That That is my da- I think my, pa- I think my parents shamed me or something. Exactly. I don't know what yeah. was going on. My, my mom was like, oh, he needs his rest. Lucky. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do to my son. Definitely shame him if he sleeps until 12. Till 12? Yeah, I, 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 I'd be like, come on. It's weird. I think when you're younger, you need more sleep. Yeah, the older you get, the more you're like. I actually, I agree with that. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be something. It's impossible to wake up when you're young. It's so hard. It's so hard. It and now I feels now easier. I just wake up. Yeah, yeah. now it feels much easier. Sometimes I'm groggier than other times. But why it, do why do parents not know that? They just forgot about it. Yeah, what's going on with that? Like when I was a kid, it was like it was like. Bro, you really it's get so me up obvious. At this hour. And it is then, so obvious. And then I would sleep. It would like you would have to train it for an hour to get me up to, yeah. for me to actually. Yeah. Get up. Yeah. yeah. The multi alarm thing. Yeah. Now it's like one alarm, and I'm. I do two just for safety, but like it's it's like one at my time that I should get up, and one at my time that I have to get up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. No, I I understand. I understand. Um, I think we should probably stop talking about our sleep schedule because <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people are like, well, isn't this a movie podcast? Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about a movie. This is cinema spectator. You can support us at patreoncom slash ECFS productions. If you enjoy the show, get a bonus commentary track for the movie we're talking about today because last week I gave Cameron a hard time for not doing any bonus content. Now look at me. I'm working overtime for you guys. So if you want that bonus commentary track, uh, patreon.com slash ECFS productions. I think it's at what the $1 or $5 level. I think it's just the $1. Yeah. If you're a patron, you can write in questions at the show. I guarantee your question is going to be read because our patrons are so lazy. Uh, Cameron's bringing the value. Even if you want to do one month or if you just want to message me and say, I want that commentary track, please. I'm broke. Maybe I'll send it to you. <laughs> please somebody message us, you know, uh, <laughs> I will say it was a it was a pretty fun one because Isaac got to experience it's like getting to experience a movie, a horror movie with a friend, you know. You're yeah, just, yeah. And and you know, it's not a 
it's not a scary experience. You know, do you feel frightened right now? No. Are you going to go to bed and, no. and think about this movie? No. Probably not. Yeah. But, so it's not like the scariest thing ever. But that's kind of the thing that you like when watching a horror movie yeah. with your friends. You know, yeah. you're like, you feel confident. Uh, that And, you know, to be honest, that's part of this movie. There's yeah, you a, know, being being with being with the friends, taking on the attacker or mm, whatever. Mm. Um, let me finish my plug. Okay, interrupting me. You're already talking about the movie. <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few dollars, you can uh, give us a share and give the show a rating. We just appreciate you guys being here, hanging out with us, uh, enjoying Horror Movie Month as we talk about different horror movies. Although, I just realized you should probably look up a stat because we're doing box office and things like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, look it up, but... We'll but uh, sharing the show helps. We appreciate you taking the time. If you can't financially contribute, we appreciate you being here nonetheless. So I uh, just want to thank you for joining us for this episode, this wild Wednesday episode. Uh, Cameron is just so excited to be dealing with me on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fun. We had a we had a good night, you know? Just no, relax. it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. All right, let's get into If Follows. You know, it's a short movie. I don't know if it's going to be a short review or a review full of tangents. At this point, it's all tangents right now. So <laughs> let's start talking about it, Cameron. Uh, this is your second time watching this movie? Yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah, so It Follows is a... Um, I would say it's part of the new age horror revival that happened in you know, 2013, 2013. Uh, I guess from 2012 to maybe last year, um, there there was sort of a increase in high quality but low budget horror movies, um, and they all had this sort of style and intensity. It was very 80s inspired, but uh, lifting it up to this kind of newer, you know, intense level. Um, and this is totally right in the middle of that. Um, I looked up the stats. It had a million-dollar estimated budget, so really low for 2014. Um, that's, I guess, all of the movies that we've watched so far basically have had a million-dollar budget. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't remember what Jaws was. I think it was a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was a little more, but okay. I think I'm pretty sure it was one two or something. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I feel like it was a little over. But. Um, but yeah, basically a million dollars, um, and then it didn't make as much as some of the other ones. It made about uh, 25, 20, like 30-ish, no, I guess worldwide, $21 million. Um, so Yeah, it, I mean, it's not as like phenomenal as um, Saw, right? Saw had a huge yeah. return. We haven't gotten to Blair Witch, and I hope we don't. <laughs> uh, I just really could not want to watch that movie for any reason um that just feels like a trend-based thing yeah i still want to go with the idea of the um semi-good low-budget mm. horror movies that made a, a lot of money you know so i i do want to keep the quality up uh, i don't know if blair witch is a is a great movie you know like that's that's a thing. yeah it's like, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that it's just not a very good movie. So mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen it, but um, maybe, you know, I really don't care for. Well, we watched Nightmare on Elm Street, which had a pretty big return, if I remember. Definitely. Not, not yeah. as big as Saw. Yeah. And then Jaws is obviously that massive, yeah. massive return for, for, sure. for its time. Well, and and 
uh, for the time, Nightmare on Elm Street did really, really well. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, it didn't make, like, boatloads of money, but it went on to spawn, you know, eight sequels or whatever. So, you know, it's it was good enough to become canonized in terms of low-budget horror movies making a lot of money. So Yeah, yeah. And I do want to say also, Cameron, just based on our last week's conversation about horror as a genre being that bitter flavor that's mixed well, uh, one of the things I talked about with Nightmare on Elm Street was what my dad would think of me <laughs> watching a movie like that. I am pleased to tell the audience that I ran it by him uh, recently. And I said... You know, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street. My mom and him were horrified. They were like, that's demonic. <laughs> and I just I just turned I said, you know, guys, you watch Stranger Things. That was much more demonic than whatever I saw on goofy Freddy Cougar running around. All right. That was that was a joke <laughs> compared to whatever you guys were into with Stranger Things. So True. then my dad, right there on the spot, like clockwork, starts talking about how Halloween is a classic. <laughs> and my mom turns and looks at like what that's just as evil you know what are you talking about you know like it was so ridiculous and i had this conversation with them about like if, if you didn't catch our last episode we talked about how horror is like a bitter flavor in food right and it's paired perfectly with other flavors in other movies that's what spielberg does so well in his movies that is what um happens effectively in sci-fi horror uh in in anything that's thrilling there's elements of horror even war movies there's elements of horror and i kind of ran that by my parents and they were like unwilling to kind of admit they're like well i don't know and i was like you cannot tell me that jurassic park isn't a horror movie and my dad's like well it's not a horror movie. i'm like there's blood <laughs> there i mean people are being ripped in well half, other than you know? just the blood i mean the Something, I mean, something following you and you trying to get away. Yeah. And hiding and blah, blah, blah. And it's not just anybody. It's like children, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like a, they, they really go all out. Yeah, know? no, 100%. But, but, there, but you have to think about horror as, as the emotion of yes, what you're feeling. Yes, yes. You, are, you are scared for the characters. You're, you're anticipating what's what's happening, and you're imagining yourself in the same situation. That's that's the thing. That that's what makes something horrific. Right. Right. Is you're imagining that that was you, and that's a horrifying thing to imagine. And I think it makes the genre a difficult pitch for the general right. audience. There, I think more horror. This is kind of what I'm getting with with this month of reviewing movies, is that reviewing horror movies, is that horror as a genre should actually be more of a crowd pleaser. But there's a stench or a stigma around horror that basically kind of garners this crowd that can sort of endure anything, you know? They're sort of like, I like horror yeah. movies. Like, I could do this, you know? It doesn't matter if it's bad or if it's funny or if it's too far, you know? They, right. They've kind of accepted that it's going to be this mixed bag. When it's like it's like the, there's the people who want the bad thing to happen, right? That's they're like rooting for the right, right for the horrifying thing. I mean, if my dad watched Nightmare on Elm Street, he would think that is the cheesiest, goofiest kind of movie he has seen. Yeah, you know? definitely, and it is in some ways. Like, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that. Where it is cheesy, it is goofy. 
But that's also what is endearing about a movie like that, right? That's why a lot of people liked it. And that's why a lot of people wanted to see a lot of other movies. I witness his conflict with him, right? Because he starts talking about Halloween. Oh, that score. It's so iconic. Jamie Lee Curtis, right? And then he kind of throws this side thing under uh, when we're talking about horror. Hey, did you see that new Halloween movie? Like, he, he, he won't watch it by himself. I just know <laughs> that he wants me to watch it with him. Yeah. You know? He's kind of just sliding it. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis is back. You know, the score. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, I can tell. Like, you just, you're, you don't want to watch it because, like, there's a principle. You know, people, there are horror movie lovers and there are not horror movie lovers. And this show is here to break down that wall, Cameron. Yeah. Bring we're that wall it down. down. Everybody can love a horror movie. Let's it's talk true. about let's talk about this one. Let's talk about it follows, all right? <laughs> so, 2010 horror movies. Uh, I, I, we can summarize the plot here really quickly. I'll do my best. Um, it's it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without some of the mechanics discussed. Yeah, I would say just go into the mechanics and then like major spoilers. Kind of it lays out its premise in the very yeah. beginning. So, yeah. it's it's okay to go into that. So, 2010 horror movies, it feels like there's a serious side. There's an artistic flair. There's a callback to nostalgic factors. Like you said, 80s with the score. Uh, You mentioned some of the zooming in this movie being reminiscent of what Kubrick did in The Shining. It feels like the 10s took a lot of time to reflect on what makes great cinema in general. This, I mean, that, that decade for me... Although it might not be what cemented film as a genre, it definitely worked to forge uh, perfected craft in in cinema, and it's all pulled from what great people did before it. You know, um, and and that's I mean, like you look at a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, it wouldn't exist without all the movies that came out in the two thousands, the nineties, the eighties, right? Uh, but it's this amalgamation, and that's what I love about the 2010s. And so with horror, there's a an amalgamation approach of like, well, we can do 70s horror. We can call back to what uh, originally worked in some of these classic 80s movies, and we can bring the brutality and the grunge of the 90s, right? We can enhance with CGI and and technical effects and emotion. Uh, that the 2000s move forward, right? And it's this amalgamation that results in horror movies that now have the principles nailed. And it allows them to sort of form a new idea or a new thing that wants to be said. That's what I'm that's what I'm really pulling away from 2010 horror. Yeah. And I think it's actually pretty difficult to approach because so much of it is referencing the past in the way that it's constructed and also trying to make a statement or do something powerful uh, in, in its presentation. Um, and so that's kind of the main driving point that I want to hit with It Follows. That's what I want to talk about. We've watched a couple horror movies in the 2010s um, and... We're gonna get into our review for this one. I've I've been very excited to watch this movie ever yeah. since ever since I saw the Red Letter Media review, and so the reason I've been excited is actually the pitch, uh, the pitch and the concept is what 
kind of excited me. So it follows uh, follows a a, a gal uh, who is in high school, and she uh, is with her friends in you know kind of this desolate area in Michigan around Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she has a date planned, and. You know, one thing leads to another. She ends up uh, having a romantic relationship with this guy. And uh, they have intercourse in a car. And then she's drugged, right? And the guy basically lays out the rules of the horror movie, which is, I passed it on to you. This thing is going to follow you until you give it to someone else. Transferred the way that we just had intercourse. You're going to have to do the same. Uh, If it kills you, it will come after me. The person you pass it on to, if it kills them, it will come back for you. So, like, just, you know, there's, I think, a sociological element to this. There's a there's a, a personal trauma with this. It's, I would say, like, as a concept, it's intriguing and horrifying, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot of things at play. But when I first heard of the plot, I was like, man, I feel like this is something that could be meaningful because honestly at the time I think what this is 2014 15 I think 2014 yeah. yeah that period most of my perception of of you know sexual themes in movies I was in high school was like it's just flaunting it's a misuse of you know I'm I'm quite prudish when I watch movies you know there's something about it that I was like, why isn't this being taken seriously in some sort of way? It seems like sex and intercourse and things like that in movies is the throwaway scene in some, you know, action heist movie. Uh, there's like a romance scene. I know Indiana Jones gets his ear chewed on and, in, 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 you know, <laughs> The Last Crusade. Like it's, well, it's kinda- and, and in, in a lot of ways, like horror movies are kind of the main... Uh, perpetrators of this sort of throwaway sexual um, of course the stuff. kids in the cabin right yeah and there's the the jock and the cheerleader you know and it's just it it like to me at that time I was full of angst and frustration you know and I was like come on like can't somebody talk about this seriously right I hear about this movie it follows I'm like I just know I'm gonna like this you know that's at a time where, you know, I was in high school. I didn't know very much. I was a young buck, right? Uh, now, you know, I'm, what, 26? It feels like a decade ago, more than yeah, a decade ago. Yeah. Man, I feel old. Um, but to come and finally approach this movie uh, with my own life experience and watch it, I was like, I don't know if it's going to resonate with my excitement. Uh, and... It's what sort of cements my opening statements, right? The the concepts around it is that this movie is taking a lot of its content seriously. Um, it does have a lot that it wants to say. It calls back to classic horror that we've discussed on this show. And it's able to, I think, really, really mean something. And I'm going to... I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of going to go out there, Cameron. This is, I mean, the reason that I liked this movie as much as I did is that I feel like a lot of horror movies are cheap thrills. Yeah. And this is one of the first ones we've watched in a while that I was like, 
that was extremely meaningful. Mm-hmm. It feels like the tens and the horror movies in the tens have something incredibly meaningful at the core of them. Along with bringing the thrills too. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's what's good about it too. Is like, this is a movie that does take its subject matter pretty seriously. And I, I, you know, I gotta be honest. I don't think this movie does like, it raises the question. I don't know if it fully explores the theme of what it's trying to do, but, but I, but I really appreciate that it raises this question. Whereas other movies are totally glossing past, you know, these, these issues. Um, and so I think it does a really good job at doing that. Um, and you know where it ends up, I think is is a little more ambiguous in a lot of ways. Um, but in some ways, there's a there's a pretty clear statement of being haunted by your past or being followed by by your decisions. You know, there's something there's something overarching of of um, this like haunting trauma of something that you you really didn't want to happen to you that you know you allowed happen to you basically. Um, and there's, there is something really interesting about it where it's, um, you know, it could be interpreted in a lot of different ways, but I don't know that it, um, I don't want to say it's like the most profound thing in the world. I think it just raises a lot of really interesting and good questions that other horror movies totally don't. I don't know if you noticed, this was something that I didn't really mention last week because i don't think it's all that relevant to the movie but um there's there's an interesting concept um i think it's called moral play in uh in horror movies where the in a lot of horror movies there's this sort of um element where the promiscuous people die Mm, and the non-promiscuous people are saved Hmm. Um, and so this, this does the same thing. And that's why I'm bringing it up now is, uh, there's an interesting element to this movie that is playing off of that idea right, of, right. uh, the promiscuity is actually being the driving force of the plot of, or of the horror. Hmm. Um, in Nightmare on Elm Street, it's totally just a coincidental thing. I feel like, right. I don't know if it's necessarily, this is just the sort of the attitude of the era, I think is, you know, they want the virginal woman to, you know, to be successful. They don't they don't want the, you know, <laughs> the one who's sleeping around to to be the hero basically. So, yeah. I I I don't think it I don't think it means anything necessarily in terms of plot or themes, but it is an interesting idea of that movie is very clearly the woman who's you know, more religious or more, you know, spiritual, she's saved at the end of the day. Um, you know, not technically, but she doesn't get murdered by Freddy Krueger in the way that Tina does, you know, in, right, in the beginning. Right. So um, there is something sort of, uh, there's an undercurrent of that in those older movies that I think this brings to the surface, right? Yeah, it's kind of like prying on sort of, I I don't I don't know. It feels very deep and philosophical, but like underlying decisions in your life with kind of like tragic consequences, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think 
I, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 complicated, but I I never haven't I haven't really thought too much about how we have those tropes. I think of it more as like the characters' settings or or like like their personas in movies where it's like the cheerleader or the jock. Yeah. But their yeah. actions being shown resulting in their demise. Um, I don't know. Like, I think it's, it's like the caricature of them is, is, is so like obvious and you're kind of like, yeah, like this is what happens. You know, I didn't think too much about like moral consequence until we started watching, um, more foreign films with like Korean movies. I, I love the way that Korean movies and and Korean shows, even Squid Game, right? They present their characters as like kind of deeply flawed. Uh, yeah, and and they make they make clear decisions that put them in peril. I mean, that's really right. what what yeah. Squid Game like leans into, right? And I think it resonated with a Western audience, but. Maybe there are things about like Western horror movies that are already doing that, like on in a, in an under level that's so normal to what people expect. Yeah, in, in in horror. So yeah, I mean, I I think that this movie does a great job with um, hitting on those themes uh, prominently. Um, I think it's it's effective in its setup because. I I don't know like I, I it's hard for me to kind of fully put it into words right now um but there's like this underlying sort of thing where I don't know I don't know if it's like my religious background or something but the the sexual content in the movie being kind of paired with like a horrific guilt or or a haunting mm-hmm. a horrific haunting to me, it was like, this is so effective as as a viewer, right? Yeah. You and I both grew up in church, you know, the whole, like, sex outside of marriage thing. That's, ooh, spooky, right? You, like, you just, you don't do that in the church. Like, you'll be shamed or whatever. Um, this movie kind of, I, I think its ending is what made it extremely profound coming from that perspective personally yeah Um, yeah and so i want to dig into the ending without getting like spoiling it for the audience but um major things about my feelings summarizing you know i i thought this movie was great i thought it was awesome and and again the big thing that i want to hit on is the 2010s it's like right away as soon as the credits roll it's like that's a horror movie that means something even if it's just cracking open the can of worms. Yeah. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street didn't do that. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street's a roller coaster. And that's fine. That's fun. I mean, some movies are haunted houses. I mean, um, but I mean, I think that's what. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of like an old horror movie that that means something. You know, I I can see like maybe a justification for the thing, but the thing does the thing it it prioritizes entertainment first, right? Personally, I think Um, it does. I think the thing is is deeper. Um, I'd say a movie like 
a movie like The Shining feels like experiential. It yeah, could, it could be meaningful. Like, sure, I'm sure people say, "Oh, it's so meaningful and whatnot." But I, I prefer to experience that just as is. Like, I don't, I don't need to overanalyze or or overthink it. Right. Yeah. You know? No, I, I get what you mean. There, there's a certain, um, there's an element to older horror movies that's very, um, it's like obsessed with your emotions about the movie. Right. It's yeah. It's it's trying to take you and captivate you. Instead of making you think a certain way about a thing, right? Which is much more like that's a like that's a way you look at dramas, right? Mm -hmm. That's a way you look at a movie that is supposed to be meaningful in a certain way, or even war movies, or even like movies that have a certain message, right? Horror movies are kind of lax on that. I would say there's a lot of um, even just the way that they incorporate their thrills is very. Um, suggestive of not having a lot of um, meaning behind it. It's like they'll they'll pose a question, but they'll prioritize thrills. And yeah, in the tens it feels like some directors and creators were able to flip that. Right, where it would it would put the thrills on the forefront, but then it would prioritize some kind of message or concept. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say like. Hereditary is another one that backs up that point where it's it's very it's a lot of it is dealing with sort of this family dynamic and the drama around right. you know how they how they interact and even the major horror elements of that movie are based around the consequences of certain things that the characters do and it's yeah. not the actual horror elements itself, right? Yeah, or like even Jordan Peele's success can be seen in the 2010s with wanting to tap into something or be a part of a conversation or pose some questions uh, for sociological issues that are at the time. I mean, Get Out is is sort of fixated on on something around, you know, races and, and whatnot or privilege versus non-privilege. Uh, and and so it's clearly posing a lot of questions, and I think us is doing a same thing, but it's based more around class or like an underbelly that we don't notice, right? Um, I just I just think the there's there's a magic happening in the in the 2010s with horror. There's a I mean a 24 success could be seen uh, just in that alone. Um, I I just I think that's what really hit with it follows for me is that I was like, man, this is a, this movie, it makes sense. Like this is the era, the era of podcast launching the YouTube essay, you know, like this yeah. is, this is like the prime of what spurs a conversation. And so when the credits rolled, I was like, yeah, I could take this into a thing of like, well, this is my interpretation of it follows. And, and we can kind of get into that once we get to the spoilers, but I think I was more taken back about how much of a, how much of a decade piece this is, you know, how yeah. much it, it cements itself as like uh, encapsulating what the tens were known for in the in the horror genre. If the seventies are experiential and uh, experimental, you could even say, and the eighties are hitting a stride of camp and and fun. Nineties um, getting into the the grunge, early two thousands into the uh, you know, 
a, like a nail biting gore. Yeah, yeah gore yeah. guts kind of thing. It's sort of neat to say like, oh, like the 2010s have a little bit of a intellectual flair. You know, there's something going on here. Well, and it's interesting when you think about it that way, where um, we're ramping up to like the 2000s, where something like Hostel comes out, and it's so over the top and so sort of extreme, and people are kind of turning away from that, being like, "Yeah, that's it's not really what I'm watching these movies for. I'm not really wanting the most like." Ugh, disgusting movie. Right, right. And then there's a there's kind of a not a whiplash, but it's it's like taking the lessons from that and saying, yeah, we could do that if we want. What but year, we're actually what, what year was Hostel? Hostel was I think two thousand six, maybe two thousand seven. And what year was Saw? Saw was two thousand three. Okay. So yeah. uh, so before. All right. Yeah. So um but but basically what I'm saying is like there's a ramp up in the two thousands where it's like we want to make the most extreme, horrifying, gory movies that we can, um, but still be an R rating, you know. <laughs> and then, and then the 2010s is like, yeah, we don't actually want to do that. We want to make something that will sit with you, that will be horrifying for a longer period of time. We want something that will impact you on a more emotional level instead of just impacting you in your visuals and like, oh, I never wish I wanted to see that. It's like something that's inviting you to think about something horrifying. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And that that that's really what makes It Follows interesting is the movie's not that extreme in a lot of ways. Yeah, like the most gory, yeah. hardcore part is in the very beginning. Mm. Um, and, and it kind of hooks you with that too. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about there was no like... <laughs> Major gore. Wow. Yeah, not not really, not at all. And the most grotesque thing is is definitely the the nip slips. I mean, there's there's some <laughs> there's nudity in there that's just uh, it's not even like it's just yucky, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's, very, it's non-sexual. All of the nudity is non-sexual. Which is funny because so such a major pl- point of the plot is you know having sexual intercourse and that starting a curse, and then it's like. It's almost like sex is not seen as anything glamorous. It's really gross in the movie. Yeah. yeah there's something yeah. very like cold and mechanical about the way that right. people have sex in the movie. It's painful. Even know? I guess the the exception to that maybe is the first part. I mean maybe not an exception. It's it's not shot in the way that like a movie in the eighties would be shot. Like a sex scene in the eighties yeah. would be shot where it's like yeah, we want to be titillating for the yeah, audience. Yeah, it's not it's yeah. not the Megan Fox opening the the car hood. No, yeah, it's it's very like dry, and it, it, there's something about it that sort of reminds me of what what you see in like 1984. Do you remember that, that when we watched yeah, that movie? Yeah, like where it's like very like Soviet, like I don't know, like <laughs> yeah, cold, like just cold yeah. and and yucky. But this is pose like. In a weird way, like in 1984, the sexual stuff in there is like a liberation from that, right? Right, yeah. Whereas in this movie, it's more of like a damnation or something, right? Like, I don't know. It's It feels very... Uh, yeah, it's a curious thing because obviously we live in a more liberated time than we did in 1984 when 1984 was, you know, made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... But but there's I, a I think 
Oh gosh, that's a whole nother discussion, you know? But there's there's an element to it where um I don't want to say it's a backlash, but this movie is just a contemplation on um on I think I think it's more about trauma in in a lot yeah. of ways. It's more about sort of I I don't think I don't I wouldn't say this movie is about like sexual history or like blah blah blah. I think it's about naivety and trauma in your sexual experience. Mm. Um, you know, the the girl that we follow is very young, obviously, and not, I think it's assumed that she's not super experienced, um, but, you know, kind of exploring, dipping her toes in that realm. Um, and then as the movie goes along, everything that pushes her, um, you know, to be more promiscuous is like fear and regret. Yeah. And it's very, it's very like, it's very harsh critique of like, yeah. um, <laughs> of like, you know, casual sex in, in a lot of ways. Like regardless of whether you see this as like, like a metaphor about STDs or blah, blah, blah. Um, I think you can really see it as, as sort of, being naive and jumping into a world that you do not know the consequences of really. And I think that, I think it's, I, I like that it's from her perspective. Um, in a lot of ways, the movie is very like, um, focused on her guilt that she feels. Yeah. In a way that a lot of movies would sort of gloss over, I guess. Um, but, her all of her decisions and all of the things that she's doing, um, especially around sex, are very um, are very rooted in a guilt that she has about the, you know essentially the condition that she's in, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's it's really um, it's hard to yeah it's it's hard to ignore that in terms of. Uh, you know, talking about the themes of the movie, it's very, it's very clear that the the movie's about this sort of regretful experience that people have after something goes wrong in sex. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and whether I, I mean, I think it's more of a rape out, al- you know, allegory. I think it's mm. less STD. I mean, there's there's elements of that, but like. I think I think the rape allegory is much more effective because um, the regret that she holds throughout the whole movie and the haunting that it, it it's it's like she's feeling the trauma of every every time she thinks about moving on it comes back to her right know? right and so there's there's something about that that's very um, it's really profound in the way that it does it, where it's, um, she, every single time she gives it to someone else, quote unquote, they're on her side. They're, they want to take the anguish from her. Right. And they have different reactions too. Yeah. Some of the characters are like, I don't see it. Right. Right. Yeah. Some of the characters are, are willing to bear it with her. Right. But she's, much more, um, she, she she always knows that it's a threat. 
right? That that the trauma will come back, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly well put together story. I mean, and <laughs> because it also works like just on an entertaining flat level. Yeah, one hundred percent. But it's ending. It's ending moments still solidify the themes. I I like that, Cameron. That's a good. That's a that's a better reading more than just the moral guilt like being able to to dive into that it it feels like an extremely uncomfortable topic throughout the movie and the movie yeah. does a good job with being able to make you feel uncomfortable with the presence of it follows right um and right this thing that's following her it could be anyone in any shape there's kind of like the thing shapeshifter sort of thing but it's just a person walking towards her at any given time and we can talk a little bit about let's talk about some of the filmmaking in the movie right uh the camera sort of has like you were saying when on our commentary track a mind of its own yeah it's swaying left and right and you're watching characters walk in the background and there's always that one person that's kind of walk maybe they're walking towards her and yeah, then, it's it's an open question yeah. in a lot of the way that the movie is shot. And it's very um I love that the camera is is kind of questionably I said questionably motivated, right? Yeah. Where it's you're not really sure what it's looking at. Maybe it's it the the idea I think is that it's looking out for whoever. Right. But it's not sure who. You feel a panic yeah. when watching the movie. The camera yeah. allows the audience to experience that i mean it's it's incredibly well put together i think that this movie is extremely mature in in a lot of things it's trying to say um i love that i'm attracted to that i i think i notice that sometimes when i watch movies and i'm moved by them there's like a maturity that i crave in some things i mean when Mm -hmm. i watch the irishman most people i talk to that watch the irishman don't get it. And I got it right on the first viewing. I don't know what it was. Uh, even if my reading is wrong, there's clearly a maturity that's being shown on screen with Scorsese flexing muscles, like doing that lift over and over again. In this old movie, he's kind of like, I'm, you can tell he's just older. The movie is not Goodfellas, right? People are like, we wanted Goodfellas. Like, he's not that guy. You know, he's an older person. I've always felt like an old soul. I know you feel the same. It follows feels like an old, I, I'm it just feels extremely mature in in, yeah, in its content yeah. and what it's doing. Uh and that just wins points in my in my book. I don't know what it is, but I was like, wow, this movie's going to take it seriously. I can take it seriously, you know? Yeah. One uh, thing that um I guess is an it's it's kind of an often criticized part of these movies from the 2010s. They're very not scary. Hmm. <laughs> in terms of they're scary in the idea, but they're right. not all that scary in terms of the actual experience of watching. I was kind of thinking about that. Because yeah. it's, it's, there's like, <laughs> it, some of its most horrifying elements are a slow zoom. Right, you know, there's yeah, like the, the, it's the anticipation. It's the of, anticipation yeah. and nothing happening, and, I, <laughs> and 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 I feel like I experienced the worst of this towards the end of the tens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going into the twenties, Tim took me to an A twenty four film called Lamb, and that movie is riddled with anticipation and nothing happening. 
And I was, it was the amalgamation of what I hate about the 2010 kind of horror movie. I'm happy to say that I don't think It Follows is in that camp. And it helps that the movie's an hour and 40. Uh, yeah. It's like, sure. please don't let it go on for that long. Yeah. Um, and 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 the way it leaves you isn't leaving you in the sense of like, I remember when I was jumping here or scared there. It leaves you with a concept, or hopefully it leaves you with a concept that you're considering. It's final shot, I feel like, leans exactly into what, you know, we're talking about. So I, I, I do want to get to that. But even, there, there are other 2010 films like Hereditary where... Uh, there's like gross moments in that movie, but what really horrifies you and sticks with you is like what you're thinking about afterwards with the family, what you're thinking about with like, like all the silly horror stuff is not what you're stuck on. Yeah. I would say hereditary is a little bit of an exception where it is pretty scary. Oh, it's, it's, it's horrifying, but it's not for the, it's not for the <laughs> it's not for the reasons that you like would expect in a horror movie. You know, when you say horror like when I think of like a movie or some, an experience that's horrifying. You're thinking I, about jump scares. I'm thinking like, about yeah. actually what I think is the most horrifying is PT. <laughs> I think PT is the scariest I th- experience. I think Hereditary is is, is on that similarly level. scary as PT. Yeah. In terms of what it's actually trying to do. And it's the thing that's scary about PT is you have to walk down the hallway. Right. You have to. Yeah. There's no way to progress other than walking down the hallway. And every time you do, you don't know what's going to be there. Yeah, every time you, you do. don't know what's going to change. It's going to get worse and worse. And in the same way, I think Hereditary is using the things that are familiar in the movie against your thoughts. Right, mm-hmm. and that—that's what's scary about this movie too. In some ways, it's not as scary as Hereditary, but the scary thing, or what's scary for the characters, I guess, is that the idea is they never know where it's going to come from. Right. right, they never know who's going to be it. You know, who's going to follow them, um, and that is scary. There, there's, there is something very. Um, concerning about that in the background it's like it's not immediately scary as in it's going to jump out and get you the fact that it just slowly crawls and slowly gets to you um but it could be anyone is what's really scary it's like an underlying uh terror yeah it's a it's a slow terror where um you don't know if it is actually there Mm-hmm. But it always could be, yeah. you know, and that's that's what makes it, um, that's what makes it so good, you know? right? That's that's what leaves you sort of impacted, I guess. Yeah, I also I also think that there's an aspect of it follows that is entertaining. I don't want to discredit that. Right, yeah. feels like you're being suffocated and you just need air, <laughs> uh, and this movie is not that. This movie is more. Um, like I, I couldn't believe when it ended. I mean, you heard my last lines in the in the commentary, right? Is I was like, I I feel like this movie is like I can't wait to see what's next. I don't want to interrupt and the credits rolled. You know, and I was like, wait, what? You know, like this is this is this can't be, you know? It's sort of like uh you just 
you're bought into the different scenarios. They do a great job of setting up uh, the thing following her in a normal school environment. You know, she's with her friends and it's following her. They're they're loading up weapons, right? They 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 have plans. It's kind of it gets that sort of like Goonies thing going on. She gets separated. She's emotional, right? Like you're kind of bought into this experience. They keep coming up with new ideas and ways and to, to live with it and get around it. And the movie kind of edges you on. You get excited. You're like, okay, like they, they got to be able to deal with this. How are they going to get out of this, you know? And it's, it's ending solidifies more of the intellectual concepts and ideas. And that's what makes this conversation kind of exciting in, in reviewing it. Um, but it's like that. That's where I had this conflicting thing when the when the credits rolled. I was like, "What are they gonna do?" Oh, it's over. Oh, wait, the movie is like kind of saying something cool, like those those last final shots. You know, wow, like this is this is meaningful. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I guess let's let's just get into full spoilers. Yeah, I guess it's time. Um, but I couldn't tell exactly if you were if you were into the way that it ended or if you were disappointed it was like the same at at the same time yeah <laughs> yeah because because i was ready like you know so the, the ending is that she passes it to one of her friends that's been with her throughout the entire experience right the simp guy that's with her yeah we were making fun of him the whole time we were like man like <laughs> get yeah. out of there yeah and and you know it's it's they finally do the deed, right? And and you're kind of like, okay, this is a new setup, right? Yeah. They both are aware of the threat. They're both aware of the thing that follows her, right? And they can take it on together. And so the last shot is them walking, holding hands in a very somber, sad, emo kind of walk. And behind them is somebody walking in a red sweatshirt. And you're kind of like, oh, man, here we go. Like, they're ready. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of just lingers. Like, he's out of focus. He's not speeding up or slowing down. Cuts to, I think, the back of their heads, and then the movie's over. And then it kind of hits you. You're like, wait, these two people, like, they, they kind of leave a setup with, like, like some prostitutes as well, which I I thought was really smart because yeah, you and I were like, why don't they, why don't you just go to some prostitute or something? <laughs> you know, like we we get very like they kind of answer like a wild out there like horror movie response, right? Um, so you know you kind of see him driving around like some prostitutes, and you're like, oh, like he could just do that, but there's like he's obviously very uncomfortable with this whole thing, right? Um. And then the movie resolves in a way that sort of like you see a couple unhappy walking together. Yeah. And it's not followed by their past trauma. Yeah. It's not it's not even like that they're like it's not even the exciting horror movie anymore, right? You see a guy following them, but it focuses on them. Right. You know, it, it's yeah. no longer about the threat. The movie ends, right? Yeah. And then you're just kind of sitting there like Whoa. Like, I was kind of bought into them taking on the trauma again and again and again. Uh, and, and you, like, you want to, you kind of, you're kind of bought into that plot and that drive, right? Yeah. You said after you were like, 
I want that to keep going. You know, yeah, I want to yeah. see them. <laughs> Which know, I think makes the going. movie amazing. And then it also sparks like the movie said what it needs to say, you know? Exactly. Is yeah. this the best movie of the 2010s? The best horror movie in the mm, 2010s? No. I think Hereditary is better. But I think this might be my favorite. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I love Us, but it's not as perfect as this movie. Oh, wow. It's not as, it's okay. not as tight. Uh, Get Out, I liked but didn't love as much as Us. I just, I just feel like this movie is... Uh, it hits the horror. Like, if somebody's like, what's your favorite horror movie of the 2010s? Like, this one's serious. This one's short. This one's scary enough, you know? It's disturbing enough. And it has a lot to say, you know? Yeah, like, it's, it's got it's got a lot going for it. I mean, I will I, say. Yeah. I, 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 like, I'm not going to suggest hereditary to someone. Oh, heck no. <laughs> I, I would mean, say do, that's my favorite. Do movie. I want somebody to talk to me again? Jeez, you know? <laughs> like... <laughs> Just personally, I I feel like it's it's this has a broad appeal too. I yeah. mean, there's something about it where um, even just the concept is hooking, right? Mm-hmm. It you feel you feel bought in immediately, right? Yeah. From the from the get go, and then the everyone who's seen Stranger Things can get on board with a movie like this. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's more serious than Stranger Things, but it has those elements where people will like the soundtrack, people will like the the vibe in a lot of ways, and then there's something contemplative about the, you know, sort of the idea behind the movie. I will um, say also, I think that this film is a product of its generation, I've been talking about my dad and his response. I kind of know that my dad would hate this movie. (laughs) It wouldn't resonate with him, but there's something about like our age range that I would be like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like the 2000s, 2010s, like probably even the 2020 kids. I mean, if you're in high school at that time or something, like it feels like a product of its, of its time. There's something going on where I'm like, um, I don't know. I maybe maybe this is encouragement for some people that listen to this show, but like sometimes I do believe that we are like the last good generation. You know, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, <laughs> e- even the next generation, even like my cousins and whatnot, I'm like these kids are smart. You know, these are smart kids. Who knows? Like like my. My, you know, I mean, like, our generation, like... That's what the boomers thought about us, okay? Sure. No, 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 I'm saying the next generation is awesome, you know? They are aware. They do know what's going on, you know? And you you, you watch a movie like this, the 2010s, and you're like, dude, like, this is, this is like, peak. It feels like peak, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean, but... I would probably disagree with the way that you phrased it, but um, but I I do think there's something about this era of horror movies that has sort of integrated all of the criticisms of what horror is. Right, the the criticisms are oh it's just gross, mm-hmm. oh it's mm-hmm. um, you know cheap thrills, oh it doesn't really mean anything. It's a cheap genre for babies, yeah. um, for non film people. And then a movie like this comes out where it's really not that 
gory or scary or blah, blah, blah. There's not a lot of intense things about it. Um, it is genuinely scary instead of just being uh, cheap thrills. Um, and it is saying something interesting. So it's challenging all of those things that were thought about of, of horror movies. And it's doing it on a million-dollar budget, something really low. You Love know? it. Love all... I mean, these are all like... <laughs> This, I, I'm convinced, you know, this is the <laughs> horror movie of the 2010s. I would say watch it again by yourself, too. Because yeah. there's, uh, obviously, doing a commentary track, there's something kind of, I don't want to say manufactured, but we're we're talking through it, we're kind of exploring it together, you know? But I will, if I watch it alone, I know it would be more intense. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. So I'm not like concerned about. I like I know it's intense. <laughs> I understand, <laughs> right? I prefer the safety of my commentary track. You know, I could watch, but like, but like, really, like, I could watch it alone and be like, "This is amazing." Everything I saw on screen, yeah. I was like, "This is intense." You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the thrills and some of the scares. Um, the fear of the unknown. That mm. is that is what. That is what compels this movie's kind of creature and the doppelganger thing. Yeah. Um, I think the the <laughs> the presentation of the 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 it, whatever it is, the doppelganger. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Just the person. I say the thing or the yeah, it. The yeah. thing or it, right. Um from being, you know, a completely naked person that <laughs> Yuck! Like it's just weird uh, to a giant man, <laughs> yeah, horrifying yeah. giant man. Yeah, to then, scary giant man. Uh, you know, or maybe even before that, like somebody that's half dressed, exposed. Yeah, who's got some soiling themselves. Yeah, like, it's just unsettling. To then the midget man that looks like the giant man. I don't know <laughs> if you kind of. Pick, I was like, I was like, wow, I like, thought it looked more like the simp guy. I, and I'm not. I'm not sure if that was. If the if it was the simp guy, but I got the feeling that it was like a, I don't know, it was unsettling. Whatever yeah. it was, it was definitely yeah. Who crawled Mid, through? Yeah, the, uh, midget man. Yeah. you know, you got who was uh, like the one jump scare of the movie. Basically, the, the grandpa, grandma, whatever it was of the the lady. The, uh, my favorite is actually the lady in the uh, in the hospital gown. She's my favorite. Yeah, I mean that that is awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really awesome. It's icon. I mean, iconic in the way that like. Uh, if you've seen the movie and you see that screenshot, you know what it's referencing. Yeah. You know, there's like something unsettling about. And I, that I, I just also want to say this. I'm not a fan of like old people being unsettling. I'm not, I don't like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. You want old people to be nice. And yeah. But there on. is, to be fair, there is something that can be unsettling like, about old people. Like naked old people. Like it's just, come on. You know, I think the reason the reason I'm like I, I hate that as like an unsettling horrific thing. What about Shutter Island? Yeah, I mean like that. Like unsettling that. old people. Yeah. Yeah, like I just I'm I think it's cuz I grew up with my grandparents being very old and exposed and it's it's just tough. You know, like it's not like It is tough, but I think I think that's what it's kind of playing on in some Yeah, ways. I know. I just I've lived through it. I get, know? I get like, it. I get it. I get it. It's like it's, I, don't, I, I don't need to see it and think, oh, I'm scared of seeing that. I'm just yeah. like, I've seen it. You know, it, I'm not really. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not really doing anything for. Me. I, like, it, it just it makes me sad. It doesn't make me scared. 
But you could integrate that into being scared, you know? <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> I wrap all of those things in the same realm, you know? Maybe. The being sad and the being scared. I thought the gown was a nice touch, you know? <laughs> yeah, at least she's not At naked, least there's yeah. the gown, you know? <laughs> That's true. Uh, naked man on the roof. Naked man on the roof. That's pretty, that's pretty scary. Kind of funny. It's got a good... I like that he's like... He's naked, but he's still totally covered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of like wanted the it to have the like Spider-Man 2099 theme. Did you see the new Spider-Verse? No. There's like that meme sound. I was like, <laughs> like there's like the synth sound. <laughs> Every time you see him, it's like, <laughs> like there's like crazy synth sound. Um, <laughs> it's I, I I feel like it would be kind of interesting if they did something like that but yeah i mean i i thought the best jump in the movie or the or the best like kind of horrifying thing was the big guy i thought i thought that the big guy's really scary the big yeah. guy is terrifying yeah i mean she opens the she opens the door i hate door doors opening her sister is there or whatever her oh, sister's oh. friend and then she's like, what are you guys doing? And then the guy comes out of the darkness and he's like huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's I something. I don't like big. <laughs> I, I don't like doors opening and you don't know. <laughs> you said he looked like the guy from the Call, the Call of Duty Zombies The map. buried map. Yeah, the big <laughs> giant in the jail cell. He does. He does a little bit. I, he he kind of reminded me of that other famous big guy, but I don't know what movie I've seen him in. It's funny because that's that's something very simple that is scary. Somebody who's just like who's like weirdly enormous. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I just feel like we're I mean in a way there's there's there, there are things horrifying about this. I mean sure you have the normal naked lady, the normal naked man, the normal soiling herself person that's half exposed but it's kind but, but of semi- i mean midgets normal. old people and big people come on you know it's a little scary. what are they gonna pull out a wheelchair guy I was mean, he a midget on. was the guy a midget he was tiny i think I he was know. just small he wasn't a midget it would have been funny if it was a midget <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, that's probably why they didn't use a midget <laughs> though somebody on crutches you know I feel like that's what I was kind of excited. I was like, "Yeah, what's the next scene in the movie ends?" I'm like, "Who knows what's gonna happen?" You know? Yeah, you were you were wanting to see the next the wheelchair. Yeah. The wheelchair it falls. <laughs> that could have been terrifying. Well, speaking know? of the wheelchair, I mean, in the <laughs> beginning, she gets drugged and strapped to a wheelchair, <laughs> which is awesome. It's a great like setup for the movie, right? She's she's being she she has consensual sex. With the guy, yeah, and then she gets drugged afterwards. You know, Which is just totally so whack. Totally I... after the, <laughs> you know, the it makes it even more nefarious. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And then, uh, and then she, you know, winds up bound to a wheelchair. The camera is also bound to a wheelchair. It's a great shot. He like yeah. pulls her around, and they see the naked lady who's walking towards her, and it's just freaky. There's something, there's something elementally freaky about it. You know. It's yeah. like, and, and and I like how, what's scarier, this is what, I think, the same thing that, like, zombies take on, right? There's a bit of a zombie thing going what's on. What's scarier than someone who you, who can't be reasoned with, who has one goal, to kill you? Yeah. <laughs> what's scarier than that? Kind of nothing. And he, one step further than zombies, 
they have autonomy to break things, to use tools. You know, they have like the ability, right, of a human. Not really. I mean, they're kind of they're kind of still dumb. They have to make them still a little dumb. But there is something just just horrifying about the just on a fundamental level. Yeah. Someone walking towards you forever. And and not just walking towards you. What's scarier than that? Xenomorph. That's why Alien is such a good movie. You know? I, I but I think I think like that's like saying what's scarier um what's scarier bugs or someone who is like sole purpose in life is to come after you and kill you. Right. Right. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> and I think I think the person coming after and killing you is scarier than bugs. You know? Yeah. Liam Neeson as their threat. Yeah. He would be scary. He is scary. If you were the person who stole Liam Neeson's daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that's true. A bug is just a bug. It's just a bug. You know? That's what we learned in Aliens. And sometimes there there are bugs that are really scary that can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like Alien. Yeah. Well, overall, two thumbs up for it. You bugs. loved it. You thought I, it was amazing. Yeah, I thought it was... It did so much of what I wanted in a horror movie. Mm. And it True. just makes other horror movies like... Like I just knew. You know, I I don't know what it was, but there there are other things, there are other horror movies where it's like, like Lamb, constant tension, so boring, not compelling, not really saying anything, and does you, the absurdity ending, it, and it like when you have constant tension, it just stops at a certain point. You don't feel like it's yeah. tense anymore, right? Yeah. And, but this movie, it does a great thing where you're actually kind of bought into the characters as well. I, we didn't really talk about that, I guess. But, like, you feel bad for her. Yeah, yeah. She's a sympathetic person. It's not a huge plot point, but it's important in making you sort of want her to have a normal existence, right? There's a moment on the beach where they're all just kind of sitting there, and you're like, you're like, oh, this is nice. She's, like, surrounded by her friends. She's hanging out. She's on the watch, but... You know, she feels safe. And then it comes out of the... <laughs> yeah, and th- there's just so much to say about, like... I mean, it's commenting on so much in culture where you have, like, your friends are closer than your family. Like, the family's absent, right? Yeah. Her, si- yeah. her siblings are the only ones she can trust. I, you, I don't think you ever see the mom. They're Not barely, her mom. There are barely any... <laughs> you say, hey, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> There are barely any parents in this film. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are barely any adults. There's no guidance in that space anyways from parents as much as they try. Um, and so I think it's just like from, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want to overhype it saying it's the most amazing thing in the world. Like, it's not the most amazing movie I've ever seen, but it is like I feel like I could keep clarifying how airtight it is in different spots, which just makes me more ecstatic about it. Yeah, I think I think you'll I think it'll stay with you. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, 
It's everything I wanted from it. You know, I came in with high expectations, too. And you, you, and, you got them. if I'm satisfied, that means it satisfied my high expectations. So I... I really do think it is a pretty special movie. I think... Um, I know we were talking about how it had like a 20-ish million dollar, you know, box office and whatnot. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it did like gangbusters. It didn't do amazingly. But it it still made a good amount of money. And then, you know, it's had a somewhat of a legacy. No. I don't think it's like left a huge impact in the way that something like Hereditary did. But I really do think it probably deserves to in a lot of ways. Like people people who watched it at the time are you know, they'll they'll know and they were like, Oh yeah, it follows. That was a great movie, you know. But I, I don't think it's like it it hasn't left a stamp on popular culture. I think it's so. a countercultural message also. I think it is Yeah, sort I, of. I yeah. think I think it's hitting on topics that are like difficult for people to approach. Yeah, uh, I and, think so too. And what's funny to me is that we have all these movies that are like about discovering, you know, your sexuality and all this stuff. I feel like all of those I just roll my eyes at. They're like nostalgic or you know, they're they're going in some direction about some like like I just sure maybe there there are I mean <laughs> who like personally who am I who am I to say I haven't had a traumatic ex- sexuality experience, you know. But there's something about it where I was like like so there are times where I'm alive and it's like culture's breaking at the seams and you know, you see the Hollywood love story and, or the exploration of sexuality. And it's just this glamorous thing. And it's like, that's not what I see with my friends. That's not what I see in my life. You know, that's not what I see with the people that I'm close to. I think the regret element is really the thing that it does the best. Yeah. Basking in regret. Yeah. Sign me up, man. You know, (laughs) like, uh, no, but, but, but on a, on a serious, on a serious thing, like, Maybe that is what makes people say, well, that was just a fun movie. But to like approach what it's trying to say, it's what I love about this movie is that it's like, it's got like, it's posing questions, you know, it's, it's cracking open the can of worms and it doesn't have any, any major answers in any way, but it's more like, I felt like it's ending thing is like, like it was like it got it, you know, it understood what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. And uh there's there was something like tragically beautiful about its ending. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't I don't need to be like lied to with another glam nostalgia story, you know? Yeah, that's I it's not a happy ending, but it is a um it's like it's like what everybody feels in yeah you know moving on from regret or whatever like can you imagine that a movie that makes a bold statement that i feel like is unanimously like hmm. like i just i feel like that's so rare that's so i mean the last time i experienced something like that was watching the great dictator 
<laughs> you know? It really has become your favorite movie, hasn't it? <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's like the more I go on about it, the more I'm like, dang. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, I would say it's, I don't, I don't, I love what it does and I love what it's trying to pose as the questions and sort of it has this angle on on regret and and on being sort of this naive person who goes into the world and is, you know, changed for the worse. I really love that. Um and I think that's like true to um how a lot of people feel about the world. Um but I, I would say, like, I think it is more posing the questions. I don't, I don't want to say that it's like the most sort of in in something like the Great Dictator. It's it very pro- much answering the questions yes, yes. in a lot of ways. You know? But but like this movie is short. You know, yeah. That's the other thing is that it kind of is like we're gonna pose the questions and we don't have the answers, so we're just gonna cut it. Which there's something like I think that takes. Some serious skill to know when to do that too. Yeah, know? no, it's true. Um, so, yeah, it's. I love it. I think you should you should see it if it sounds like something you want to get into. I mm. can see some people not liking this movie or or not being into. Like, if you've listened to this review, I haven't seen it. If you listen to the spoilers, I don't think we spoiled it too bad. I would but. say it's not too scary either. Yeah, in terms of like what you think of a horror movie. It's intense. It's got a lot of, like, you know, moments that are very, like, you, you know, you want them to get out of there. Yeah, but in it, terms of, like, horror and jump scares and blah, 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 it, it really doesn't have a lot of that. And there's there's not, um, it's intense, but not super scary. Yeah. Um, but, so I think it's accessible in that way. But if you... Um, you know, if you really have no stomach for that, I don't know that this movie would be great for you. Mm. But I think for most people, they can get over it, you know, and and find a lot of enjoyment in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, I think if you heard the plot and you're like, I shouldn't... Like, I'm not interested in that or I don't... You know, you'll, you'll know, right? What would your dad's review of this movie be? I don't think he'd get it. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think... I think he would be like, that was... Why did it end? You know, like, he he, <laughs> he, he would have been like, okay, that was weird. Didn't give me the answers. Yeah, he would want some kind of resolution. Um, Not to get too deep, but... Welcome to the 21st century, man. You don't, you don't yeah, get a sometimes, lot. Sometimes there just are not some... They're not yeah. good solutions. You'll see the video... You think, where's the source? Track down the source. It was it's AI, not a, it's AI not a good edited. Source. <laughs> you know, AI edited, created by another government agency that is now refuted by another government agency. And now you're just down around, and you're like, I got no answers. And you're like, wow, that made everything more confusing. I, I guess wish I, I just stayed in my little hole. I ought to, <laughs> I ought to just become completely apathetic to everything and yeah. uh, continue yeah. being upset that my boss called me after five. I can't think of a better way to an- uh, end this episode, Cameron. You know? I, it, yeah. Cynicism. At least we got Joey hanging out with us. Joey's he's cool. He's relaxing. We're hanging out we're recording on the couch and my tuxedo cat came to 
chill. This is his rite of passage for you, Cameron. Yeah, he's chilling. He's like, can I trust this thing? I turn my back. Will he attack me? He (laughs) won't? That's basically a cat's normal line of thought. (laughs) Oh, boy. Judgment. Judgment in his eyes. Now he's looking at the door. He hears the women outside. He's like, who are they? All right, well, we post every Tuesday, and we don't usually get this loose or live. Mm. But who knows? Maybe next week. We'll have to do another sit-down. Well, me and Jews are going to be next week, because you have your anniversary, so... What are you watching? Possession. Oh, I thought you were going to say Killers. Killers of a... Oh, we are watching that just in the middle of the... Well, on Friday, we're going to watch that. But we're not going to... Yeah, this Friday. But we're not going to review it. No invite this Friday. You want to come? Thanks, dude. It's in Berkeley. Thanks. No, I'm fine. You can come, 7 (laughs) o'clock. No, I'm not coming. I'm not not coming. (laughs) All right. Okay, we'll wrap it up. Until next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.